0: Welcome back to How to Keep Your Day Job, brought to you by the Morningstar Consultants. We're your companions on a dynamic journey that intertwines the intricacies of leadership, career growth, personal and professional transformation, and the impact of empowering not-for-profits. At Morningstar Consultants, our evolution has been shaped by experience and the insights we've gathered. Just as before, we're thrilled to bring you engaging episodes tailored for -for not-for-profit leaders and emerging talents. These episodes delve into essential topics like strategic planning, board governance, finance, HR practices, and more, all while nurturing the growth of sustainable, not-for-profit organizations and fostering vibrant communities. Our exceptional guests will continue sharing their career stories, inviting us into the moments that have shaped their paths. We firmly believe that your career journey is sculpted not only by your professional milestones, but also the life stories that define you. Mark Twain's wisdom holds true. Find a job you enjoy doing, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Join us as we set forth on a journey fueled by passion, purpose, and profound accomplishment while we work together to strengthen not only careers, but also the fabric of communities. Your time is precious, and we're honored to be a part of that journey. So let's delve into another episode of How to Keep Your Day Job.
1: So it's a Sunday night. It's just after supper. It's nice and cozy in the Morning Star room. I still have my twinkle lights out on the deck and we can look out the window and see the glow. It's a warm night in October. Warm for Winnipeg anyway. You can feel that fall is here and winter is coming. But this week we've had a bit of a reprieve and it's been lovely. Tonight we're going to talk about effective communication and the various aspects of communication within your professional roles. So Shelly and I talked about this earlier, and we thought this would be a helpful podcast. We often go into organizations and do sessions on effective communications and boundaries. So I'd like to take you back to an episode in season two. It was episode seven, Boundaries Abound, Navigating the Complexity of Boundaries in the Nonprofit Sector. So, we're often invited into organizations to work with frontline staff around boundaries and communications. We had done that initial episode on boundaries, and we thought we would finish that off with a session on communication. So, in today's podcast, we're going to explore how effective communication plays a vital role in interactions with clients, families, colleagues, supervisors, that these are essential skills for fostering positive relationships, providing high quality care and creating a supportive and healthy work environment. So let's start to delve in some of these concepts that'll empower you in your role. So objectives today, we're hoping that we can help you understand the significance of effective communication in different contexts, learn practical strategies for communication, equip you with knowledge and skills to communicate effectively in various situations. So, I think by the end of this, what we're hoping for is that you're better prepared to navigate complex interactions, promote positive outcomes, and ensure the well being of yourself, those you serve, and those you interact with. So, effective communications and strategies. Why does effective communication matter? Effective communication enhances relationships with those around you, your clients, your family, your colleagues. It has a direct impact on the quality of care and the overall work environment. Effective communication is the cornerstone of those successful relationships. When we communicate well, we build trust, we foster understanding, and we create an environment of respect. This is especially important when working with clients, families, even with your colleagues, You know, I really believe that quality care is rooted in clear communication, which leads to improved client outcomes and just contributes to a harmonious and supportive work environment. So barriers to communication, Shelley and I have discussed this in depth because there are so many and it's so complex. So despite its importance, effective communication can really face some challenges and and we're going to name a few, but there are so many. It could be a difference in cultural norms. It could be language, personal bias. It could be uh, the way in which we communicate. I know we've talked in previous episodes that I have ADHD. It took me a long time to slow down my speech. And I know my communication was affected by the pace in which I talked. So when we recognize these obstacles and learning strategies to overcome them, we can ensure that our messages are conveyed accurately and compassionately to everyone we act with. A lot of staff working in frontline services, we have in-depth conversations around these barriers, such as people who use substances, people with previous trauma. There's that saying, I think I've said in other podcasts, We make 90% of our decisions with 100% of our history. And trauma sometimes affects the way we interact, communicate, attach, feel comfortable, feel threatened. There are all sorts of ways that trauma affects us and it can affect communication ongoing. And I think we assume when we're working in the front line that those barriers are just something that affects our client's ability or constituent's ability to communicate. But remember, we've all had histories. We all have different ways of communicating, different experiences, different upbringing, different cultures, neurodiverse, all sorts of uh, different facets to us that may affect the way we communicate as well. So types of communication, verbal, spoken or written word. Verbal communication includes the words we use whether spoken or written and we had this conversation a group we did recently just around the changing of our society around text and emojis slang and emails you know I we had a really great conversation about how we interpret emails often emails are interpreted in the way in which we're feeling or the experiences we've had with that person before or even just how our day is going. And it may not be the way that the sender meant for that to be. So written text for sure can leave something to the imagination, and our imaginations could create a different meaning behind it. So nonverbal body language, gestures, facial expressions, Anybody who has a teenager, and this sounds very biased, but I've had some eye rolling in the last year. So that nonverbal body language really can affect the way that you feel when you're having a conversation. Think about standing beside somebody whose arms are crossed or people that are, you know, looking away, ignoring you. There's poor eye contact or they're grimacing and their jaw is tight and clenched. All of those things, those nonverbal cues, that body language and facial expression play crucial role in conveying our thoughts and feelings. So mastering both verbal and nonverbal communication, it really helps us connect effectively. So active listening, we hear that all the time. What is it? So when we actively listen to people, we focus our attention on the speaker. We attempt to understand their message or we clarify and we respond thoughtfully. It involves not only hearing the words spoken, but understanding the emotion and the intention behind them. And I think that's where the in-person conversation, you have that ability to to read those emotions, to read that intention, to feel the connection when you speak. And I think sometimes that's what's lost in text. Why is active listening important? Actively engaging in the conversation, demonstrating empathy, you build stronger connections, you gain valuable insights, and you ensure that the messages are interpreted appropriately. I have this little picture that I've carried around and used for teaching all sorts of courses <laughs> because I think it's fascinating, but it really plays a big part here in communication. And it's, it's really about perception. And I have this saying, uh, there are often five truths to everything, your truth, my truth, their truth. Because if we're all coming into a situation with, like we said, the different differences in communication, the differences in experiences in history, our different culture, our different languages, the way that our brain functions, our traumas, our, our experiences even with each other, our past experiences and exchanges affect the way that we are now communicating in the moment. So this paper that I take around with me, um, it really makes people giggle, but then they think, they reflect and they go, it's true. So when I was a kid, I used to watch Wizard of Oz every Saturday morning. I loved it. And to me, the Wizard of Oz is this band of three people that get together and meet this girl. And along the way on this journey, they find out that what they were seeking at the end, they had all along. They had all of those uh, gifts all along. And to me, it's it's hopeful and it's inspiring. And it's, it's, um. but that's not what some people might see, right? So if you think of everybody's different way of interpreting things. So this is, if you're old enough out there to know what a TV guide was, um, <laughs> this is like a little picture that would have been in a TV guide in like 1984. So it says 5 p.m. The Wizard of Oz transported to a surreal landscape. A young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. So think about that. Transported to a surreal landscape. A young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. It's a different perspective, but you can see where they're coming from, whereas I see it as these three strangers meet this young girl, and they travel on this journey feeling that they are not good enough, and when they get to the end, they see that they had all these gifts from the beginning. Fascinating, right? The other thing I always do is I have this video, and it's on YouTube. I'm going to put it in the podcast notes. and. I've done this activity, not through COVID when we're we're online, but when we do these communications in person, we often do this. I have a line of people and everybody's facing forward and the back person I get to turn around and I hand them a little sentence and it's, it's an action. It's, you know, it could be saying like in the video I'm going to post, uh, you're riding a bike and you fall down or you crash. Sometimes I do. You're baking a cake. Um, or you're curling your hair or something like that. And the person then acts that out. So then they turn around to the next person, act it out, and then they turn around and the other person, and they keep going through the line. And everybody takes the interpretation from what the person before did and passes it on. And by the end, it is hilarious because the actions of the last person look nothing like the person at the beginning. And they're trying to then figure out what this is. And it's it's a totally different scenario they have in their head for what they're acting out. And then we bring the, the beginning person together and the last. and And we see how when things are repeated and communicated, how they change along the way, just because of our experience, our history, our culture, our our experience with each other, our comfort with each other, there are all sorts of reasons that the message changes from the sender to the end receiver. But it's fascinating to watch that process. And then it's, it's neat for people to reflect on that. And I say, think about a time where you felt that you conveyed a message, and it went really wrong. And you couldn't figure out what was the breakdown and how somebody thought, something so different than the meaning that you wanted to convey you know that video really explores how communication can get misinterpreted and taken out of context whether it's spoken words body language text messages emails are horrible the way we can convey and receive information is really complex and i always say to people give people some grace You know, I I often in coaching uh, professionals, I sit with them and they'll talk about an email they got from somebody and how it affected them and what they thought they meant and what the tone was. And I always say, you know, give them some grace, process it and then ask them. And you've heard me say this in previous podcasts, my favorite line, help me understand. So go to that person and say, this is how I felt or this is what I thought help me understand what you meant. And I will bet most of the time, it isn't what you felt. So key takeaways here, communication is multifaceted. It's not limited to words alone and encompasses channels, various channels, including verbal, nonverbal, written form, text, You know, all of those emojis that mean something, I I haven't totally figured them all out. Body language, our gestures, our facial expressions, posture, how we convey our emotions or intentions. They can all be misread or considered or taken out of context. Verbal communication, spoken word, you know, think about tone and pitch, how you emphasize your words, all of which influence the way people are receiving your messages the same words can have different interpretations based on how they're said. I love some of those grammar posts that you say online. And it's, it's like punctuation is everything. And it totally changed the context of what somebody's saying. And text-based communication, like we said before, the written communication, uh, there's no tone of voice, there's no body language, there's no a guide to interpret. So as a result, often those messages can be misunderstood. So let's really talk a little bit about tailoring your communication. Who's your audience? When you can adjust your communication style for your audience, tailor that communication for either your clients or constituents, the family, supervisors, colleagues, when you can adapt that communication and style to suit the audience, it's a really powerful skill. Clients, families, colleagues, supervisors, each, every one of these people that you interact with professionally have unique needs and preferences. And by tailoring that approach, we increase the chances of clear understanding, we foster cooperation, and we create that environment of inclusivity and respect. And and that buy-in you know, builds those relationships with your with your employer, with your colleagues, that, that trust with your clients. And we often do within the course case scenarios around communication and as well from other podcast boundaries. We often do case scenarios with some workbooks so people can work them out because there are all different kinds of situations that we like to give people to work through, to practice kind of tailoring those communications. If you're working with people that use substances, they may have limited understanding at the time if they're really intoxicated. People with cognitive developmental delays. I led for a period of time in a long-term care center and communicating with those that have uh, dementia or Alzheimer's. So those are all different scenarios as you work in not-for-profits and frontline where you really need to tailor your communication. And then, of course, I'll always throw in the consideration around a the accessibility, justice, inclusivity, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Be inclusive with your language. So let's talk a little bit for frontline staff around effective communications with families. Families really play a significant role in the care of the clients. That open and empathetic communication with families helps build trust and ensures that everyone's on the same page. Sharing information, addressing concerns, and involving families in care decisions, it just creates a collaborative approach that benefits the well-being of the clients that you serve. But I always remind individuals that our constituents, our clients, those we serve, have autonomy and need to give permission and consent. So no matter who you're working with, you always need to check around what you should or can share with any family members. So just keep remembering privacy legislation directs that when we share information about those we serve, it's around a need-to-know basis. Another thing that Uh, Shelly and I often go into organizations and talk a lot about is around privacy legislation. So effective communication with healthcare professionals. So I believe in multidisciplinary teams. And in order to support everyone's role within the health system, we need to communicate. So in healthcare and social services, collaboration is essential for Providing comprehensive care because there there are a lot of people involved in individuals' care, and I always say the right right person for the right job at the right time. So effective communication among professionals, healthcare professionals, social services from different disciplines, it really ensures that all aspects of the client well-being are considered. So collaboration enhances the quality of care and promotes positive outcomes for clients. But again, remember via the Personal Health Information Act it really requires you to pass on information that they need to know. So if a coworker is asking about somebody because they, they know them from the gym or they took a course with them, uh, do they need to know to care for this client? Are they part of that care team? So remember to just, we need to share information in order to support the client, get their needs met, but we always have to think about consent. So within your team, clear communication is really the glue that holds you together. Because when we communicate in a positive way, we build that trust. And especially frontline, you need to have that, that team and that trust in order to have a healthy workplace. So sharing information, setting expectations and collaborating on tasks contribute to well-functioning teams. So when you communicate effectively, you build the trust, you ensure everyone's aligned towards common goals and, and you support each other. And those teams that create good communication are usually really successful teams. We know that in health and social services, burnout is at an all-time high and we're all human. It's sometimes easy to snap in an email write something in a communication book. My grandma used to say something just brilliant. Now, of course, this newspaper isn't around anymore. It was the Tribune. But she used to say, Lisa, if you're comfortable with what you're about to say being on the front page of the Tribune, then you should say it. And if you're not, you should really think about <laughs> what what you want to say and and think about those that uh, who could be affected by it. And it's true every time I'm in difficult situations or I'm just frustrated at work because I had a flat tire or I woke up late or my coffee maker broke or whatever, had had a, just a bad day, bad morning. Everything that comes out of my mouth, I always think, is this okay? Could Would everybody hear this and think that's, that's a good thing to say. Effective communication with managers and supervisors. Open communication with your supervisor manager is really essential for a productive and positive work environment. Share updates, seek guidance when needed, address concerns in a timely manner, demonstrate your commitment to your role and the success of the organization. And when things are wrong, organizations should have policies like respectful workplace, code of conduct, if you're feeling that the communication with your manager or supervisor is unhealthy, look at those policies, review those policies. If you're in a unionized work environment, talk to your union rep. Also, reflect back on your participation in the conversation. And like I said, you know, we often bring into conversations our history, how we've experienced things before, what we're feeling, how our day was. So, you know, when when people communicate we can all bring our history our past our our different ways of communicating but reflecting on those to see you know if there was malice and intent you know we always talk about that when i was a union steward and a union president do you think there was malice and intent and we pull apart the situation to really find those five truths and often it comes down to misunderstandings, misinterpretations. And again, if you feel in a safe environment, you can say, help me understand. All of us are equals. We're all people. I remember one lesson I learned. Um, It was my first ED job and I was sitting in my office with a staff member and they looked really nervous and they they were wringing their hands, you know, and kind of scooching around on their seat a little bit. And I said, what's what's wrong? And they said, I'm in the ED's office. And until that moment, uh, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me around the, um, the power differential that um, would affect that communication and how that person felt. I actually remember physically looking around <laughs> thinking, and then, oh, that's me, because I didn't feel that powerful or, you know, that there was any hierarchy, but but that person did, and it, it affected, I'm sure, the way they even communicated. Maybe they were fearful. Maybe they'd had employment before that had, you know, really ingrained hierarchy and maybe wasn't a healthy workplace, maybe a toxic workplace. So so I'm. it was the best lesson because every time after that I went into a conversation, I thought about how do they feel right now? I'd look around at the environment. I'd make sure I check my tone. I'd think about even what I'm wearing and then think about how to frame things in a way that didn't make people fearful. So that's the perspective from the manager. And from the staff person, I encourage you to use your voice to say, help me understand, to ask questions you have the right to a fair and healthy work environment. And when we go back to working with families and colleagues and peers, it's around being kind. So again, the benefits of effective communication, it enhances teamwork and collaboration. It improves client outcomes through clear instruction, understanding, and respect. It reduces misunderstandings and conflicts. You build trust and professionalism. You maintain a positive work environment and a safe space for clients. You protect clients and your peers, colleagues, and supervisors. The benefits are really immense. It enhances collaboration. It leads to better client care outcomes. When you incorporate these skills into your interactions, you just contribute to the overall success of your team and your organization. So as we start to wrap up, Shelly and I will probably go back and forth with a few things, but I just wanted to comment um for sure some of the tips we talked about today will help you navigate communication challenges and um you know when you reflect back and listen to the the other podcast around setting appropriate boundaries and ensuring the best possible outcomes for you and your clients. There's that little acronym that I quite love, think. So When you communicate, think, it's like my grandma said about putting it on the front page of the Tribune. Think, is it truthful? T, is it aligned with facts and reality? Does it reflect accurate information and genuine representation? I have worked in healthcare and social services for a long time. And at many, many, many organizations, we had communication books. And I would say at least 40% of the conflict that happened within the organization came out of how somebody wrote something in the communication book. And I remember when I took nursing and even before that, when I was a health care aide, you had to really be objective and just write what's aligned with facts and reality. So does it reflect the accurate information and the genuine representation? If not, don't say it, don't write it down. The H. Is it helpful? Does it provide assistance? Does it support or provide valuable insights? Will it contribute positively to the situation or conversation? Does it uplift? Does it empower others? I. Is it inquisitive? Does it encourage curiosity and desire to learn more? Does it promote a sense of exploration and discovery? I always say to people, be curious. When I support new managers and we do our new manager boot camp in our HR session, we do a lot on communication. And it really rolls into when we do investigations. So, you know, privacy investigations, employment investigations, be curious. When you're curious, it shows an investment that you really want to understand what happened. And being curious can usually get to your root cause. Is it necessary? Does it serve a purpose? Is it essential? Is it relevant? Is it meaningful in the given context? Will it add value and contribute to the overall understanding or outcomes? And finally, is it kind? Does it reflect empathy, compassion, and genuine consideration for the feelings or well-beings of others? Will it create an environment of respect and positivity, fostering connections and understanding? Because if nothing else, our conversations should be kind, right? So this is what we go over on our first session in communication. It's really part and parcel with the boundaries. So we often overlap a bit, bring boundaries into communication, bring communication into boundaries. They really do go hand in hand in creating a good environment and being a good care provider or service provider. So importance of boundaries, right? They protect employees, clients, they ensure ethical conduct and quality of care. When you recognize boundary breaches, you you know, it's really crucial to understand when you've overstepped and maintain those healthy work environments. We talked about effective communication, and really, it is the cornerstone of a positive workspace. Respectful boundaries, it's fundamental for well being. It prevents burnout and it fosters a harmonious work environment. And when we speak about burnout, we do one case scenario, and maybe we should put a few in the podcast notes, but we do one case scenario around a staff member who's working in a hospital, who's always asking to switch shifts to give away shifts. And clearly there's things going on in their life. But in this scenario, the other staff people don't check in, they just get resentful. Some of them take the shifts and then just keep burning out. You know, so if you look at that scenario, people didn't check in with the person who was trying to get out of the work. You know, uh, some people just took it on without communicating their own boundaries. Others got resentful. People didn't ask why. So because there wasn't clear communication about why it was happening, how people felt that it was happening, there was no root cause. People weren't curious. They didn't understand. And people didn't invest in understanding. It really broke down that work environment and made it quite toxic. So if you're going to your day job, and that's happening. Grab your respectful workplace, grab your code of conduct, sit and reflect on what your part is in this situation, go see your union support or your supervisor or manager or a colleague and talk about how you feel, and then be curious and and search out answers. Because when you can turn around that culture change in an environment, in a workplace, it's really magic. So again, seek guidance when boundaries are crossed, when you're struggling with communication challenges, always seek guidance, be an active listener, tailor your communication, adapt it, your communication style. We do a lot of practicing when we're working with frontline staff. We also do that when we work with managers because sometimes we have to give bad news and that's really hard, especially if you have a bond with a team. I, I remember early in my ED work, um, we had loss of a funding for a program, and there was two really cool staff that worked in that program. And I think I was only there maybe, maybe six months, and I had to sit down with them and say, we had no funding. We couldn't keep the program going. And they were just lovely humans, and I would have loved to work with them longer. But I have to say, those conversations I find the hardest. Be clear and transparent. One thing I do with coaching managers is talk about how we say things in a way that makes the staff person feel safe. Because when you're not clear and transparent, it causes harm. It doesn't promote trust. It makes people feel uneasy. It, um, it, it doesn't feel truthful. It breaks that trust. And I know sometimes giving bad news or having those difficult conversations are hard, but when you aren't clear, when you circle around, when you take too long, when you bring up other situations that are happening, you start to talk about all fun things and then, oh, and by the way, um, never do that. (laughs) Never do, oh, by the way. And if you're in a room and you hear a manager say that, it's probably not going to be good. It means they've had a really difficult time getting to what they really needed to talk to you about and managers be kind think and be brave conflict resolution so conflict resolution emotional intelligence and conflict avoidance are something we go into in a whole other session because you know those are a bit higher level skills conflict resolution is the ability to address conflict professionally find mutually agreeable solutions in in the key aspects of effective communication around whatever is breaking down. So we do do a bit of a session on conflict, culture change, negotiations, uh, so that you can understand how to communicate in a way where you can move people forward. Remember to give people feedback, right? If you have a colleague that you're struggling with communicating with, if you're struggling with the way they're writing things down in a communication book, give them that feedback. And if you don't feel safe in doing that yourself, go to your union rep, go to your supervisor. You know, they can help mediate a conversation. So cultural sensitivity, that is a whole other episode. And, and we do cover that a lot when we do a Jedi training. So accessibility, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Recognizing, respecting cultural differences in communication styles is essential for effective communications. And we have a diverse and wonderful population in Manitoba that bring all sorts of wonderful gifts and communication opportunities can be lost um, when you don't practice some of these tools to be able to understand where somebody is coming from because we all can have different barriers to communication. Oh, and look, I did put on my little list. I, I always make like a little bullet point list when I do these podcasts and and I put time management. I didn't write anything by, but I think it goes back to what I was saying, you know, in effective effective communication includes managing time effectively, meeting deadlines, setting priorities, but also the pace in which you have conversations. And I see this a lot in in HR around effectively communicating when somebody's not meeting expectations. You know, people shouldn't find out at their annual performance appraisal that all year long there's been an issue, right? When something's happening, we need to talk about it in the moment. We need to talk about it when it's happening. And, And that's part of that respect and communication. You owe it to each other to have these conversations in a timely way. And again, you know, conflict avoidance, we do a, a longer session on that as well around knowing when to engage in communication to prevent conflict. Um, it's a valuable skill, knowing how to maintain your cool, uh, to know when to take opportunities to talk and when to regroup and come back. And I think that's part of experience with communication. You you get to understand when is the right time, when are people able to have that conversation. Uh, You've heard me talk long enough and Shelley has spent most of her career around communicating and helping people understand communication.
0: Thanks for that, Lisa. And now to summarize, effective communication involves conveying a message clearly and accurately to a recipient or audience, ensuring mutual understanding It encompasses strategies like active listening, clear expression, seeking to understand, self-awareness, nonverbal cues, and feedback. Also, considering the context and the needs of the audience to achieve the desired outcome. This quote really made me reflect on how important it is to be aware of our own health and well-being. How crucial it is to remember that our historical experiences can impact our ability to communicate today. Emotions play a significant role in our ability to get our message across, and they influence both the sender and the receiver of that message. They can either enhance or hinder how effectively we communicate. Positive emotions like empathy and enthusiasm can foster understanding and connection, while negative emotions such as anger or fear can lead to misunderstandings, conflicts, or even barriers to communication. It's crucial to be aware of and manage our own emotions and consider the emotional state of the other party for successful communication. And remember, it's a learning process. With improved awareness, the use of effective strategies, and seeking the necessary support, mastering effective communication can indeed become a less stressful and more achievable skill. Embracing these approaches can empower individuals to navigate various communication challenges and enhance their overall communication abilities.
1: Absolutely, Shelley. Communication can be really difficult. Have those hard conversations, be brave. Have the courage to be vulnerable. Giving ourselves grace as we learn is also essential. It gives us room to make mistakes. And there's growth in the journey. Remember, grace is never wasted on ourselves or others. And when in doubt, be kind. As we bring this episode of how to keep your day job to a close, let's reflect on the pathways to success that we've explored together. Our journey encompasses the tapestry of career growth, the art of effective leadership and the metamorphosis of personal transformation the building blocks of community development, and the impact of empowering not-for-profits. May the insight shared in this episode serve as sparks that ignite you forward momentum. Whether you're forging your career path, leading with purpose, nurturing a not-for-profit, or contributing to the health of our communities, Morningstar Consultants are your dedicated partners throughout this remarkable journey. Explore our website at MorningstarConsultant.com and follow us on social media. Our dedication extends beyond personal triumphs. We're devoted to nurturing thriving organizations and amplifying the influences of leaders who catalyze meaningful change. Discover our tailored courses, business consulting, intermediary support, and coaching services to cultivate enduring transformations. If your aspirations are as unique as your journey, don't hesitate to reach out. We're here to collaboratively design strategies that resonate for your ambitions. Thanks for being a valuable member of our podcast community. As we eagerly anticipate our next episode, please continue embracing your passions, uplifting those around you, and weaving your own unique tapestry to be an extraordinary force for positive change.